Yeah, Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh, my. Did Mick plant one on C-card? Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bob Gartner goes right to King Plattenberg. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I am your host, Joe Lazito, and this is episode number 14. Uh, before I begin, I would like to uh, get a few things out of the way, get some business out of the way. Um, you know that uh, we are sort of a brethren here in the podcast world. Uh, we like to promote each other's shows, and uh, there are a few shows I would like to uh, direct you towards that I usually do, and if you haven't checked them out, please do. First show would be uh, the Five for Fighting podcast with Alec. Um, Alec just did an episode with Rob Ray, and um, if you know me, you know I am not a Rob Ray fan. Uh, he's one of the guys I dislike the most, uh, and that's strictly uh, as, a, as a player, as a fighter. I don't know him at all, uh, so it has nothing to do with him as a person. Uh, he's just someone I don't prefer. I, uh, I even after all these years, uh, the whole uh, getting out of the jersey thing has bothered me, continues to bother me. Um, but uh, as I'm always quick to say, I give Rob uh, full marks because once he had to tie down, I think he was actually twice the fighter. So um, once Rob had to tie down, his career could have gone one of two ways, and he really thrived. So uh, I give him credit and. Um, that being said, Alec, Alec did a great job. They had very good chemistry. So uh, even though I'm not a fan of Rob's, I thought the uh, interview was very entertaining. And if you are a fan of Rob's, then you'll enjoy it that much more. But uh, definitely check it out. Rob was a great guest. Um, you know, he's very complimentary towards his teammates and uh, towards his opponents. So definitely recommend it. Check out Alec's uh, show. Check out his library. He has some uh, pretty amazing guests. Uh, starting from episode one, so I would definitely check it out. Another podcast is uh, the Bucket Drop podcast with Bobby. Uh, Bobby's been a little slow lately. I guess having a newborn baby will do that, but um, I think his last episode was about a minute and a half. It was uh, his homage to uh, Mike Tyson's punch out. Uh, I don't know. He was a bit uh, perturbed that the uh, latest version did not have Mike Tyson in it, and I guess. Uh, he wanted to get a quick minute and a half episode out of his uh, beats to the old theme song. But Bobby's had some uh, good guests on his show. Also, his uh, last regular episode was good. I mentioned it before. Um, again, I don't remember his name. And uh, it was a guy that uh, owns a pizzeria down at the Jersey Shore. But he's got a uh, very long-standing friendship with the Howe family. He's got some great Gordy Howe star uh, stories and Mark Howe stories. So... Definitely worth checking out. 
Um, I was also a guest on Bobby's show at one point, so if you're not sick of me, I'll go back into his archives and uh, give that one a listen. I think we're, uh, we're going to get together for another episode once his life gets back on track uh, to some set of normalcy, which who knows when that's going to be because, like I said, he, uh, he and his wife just had a uh, baby, which is the best thing that could possibly happen, so the podcast can wait because, uh, as you know, I am a very devoted family man, so uh, I'm very, very pumped for Bobby. And uh, speaking of being pumped for someone, uh, the long-awaited return of the Fourth Line Voice podcast, Darren, uh, as I said, he's uh, the OG of the uh, hockey fight podcast genre. Um, It was touch and go there for a bit, whether he was going to return or not, although, to be honest, I figured he would get back here one way or the other. And um, Darren has uh, signed on with the Hockey Podcast Network, and uh, what they're going to do is they're going to re-upload his uh, previously recorded shows. I think they're going to do one a week, and uh, he's going to provide some new material, I think, one a week. So I think there'll be two shows every week. One will be uh, a vintage episode, and one will be a new episode. So uh, I strongly urge you to uh, check out that stuff. Darren uh, has not put out an episode in a while due to technical difficulties, and... Um, he now joins the Hockey Podcast Network, which is also the same network where Terry Ryan has his podcast on. So, uh, like I said, they're building quite the stable over there. So, uh, I would definitely check out Terry's show. And uh, when Darren's show, Fourth Line Voice, gets back on there, uh, I would definitely give that one a listen. Uh, next order of business. Uh, if you noticed on my social media uh, platforms, which, by the way... Um, my Twitter account for this show is at Kali Sinbin Pod. Please give that a follow. I have 430 followers, I think, right now. And I, um, I'm going to do a book giveaway. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, I did write a book a few years ago. And uh, I said at 500 followers, I was going to, uh, to give away uh, one of the books that I'd written. Whether you want it signed or not is your call. I think my signature would probably lessen the value but uh, that's up to you. And at 500 followers to my podcast Twitter account, again, that's at Kali Sin Bin Pod, uh, I will be doing a book giveaway. And of course, my personal Twitter account is at Joe underscore Lozito, at Joe underscore L-O-Z-I-T-O, or if you're in Canada, L-O-Z-I-T-O. So that... Um, that's my Twitter stuff. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I think that's it. I'm not, I mean, I guess LinkedIn, but that's not really, uh, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm on LinkedIn, but that doesn't really have any impact on the show. Um, but getting back to my original uh, reason for bringing this up, uh, if you notice, I have a new logo for the show. So if you're, um, if you're an Islanders fan, or Jets fan, or Mets fan who's on uh, Facebook or Twitter, um, you've seen some, uh, from time to time, you've seen people uh, probably retweet or, you know, post this guy's artwork. Um, He does a lot of, I I mean, amazing stuff. He's uh, really, really talented. Uh, I've I've discussed this with other people where if people do something that I can't do, it really is something that I am, 
I just want to say I'm amazed by it. And uh, this is a guy whose work I've admired for a long time. Um, his name is Joe Marisich. And on Twitter, he is at GraphicsJoker, G-R-A-F-I-X-J-O-K-E-R. He's Graphics Joker on Twitter, and he was kind enough to do a logo for my show that uh, if you've been on my social media at all today, you've seen it. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I, Joe is just such a talented guy, and um, honestly, to have someone that talented do a logo for my show, uh, it means the world to me. And uh, like I said, he definitely has a style, so maybe if you see my logo, you would remember some of the stuff he's done. Uh, I don't really know too many Jets or Mets uh, drawings that he's done because I'm, I don't really uh, pay too much attention to those, but obviously the Islander stuff I've seen, probably the one that I see posted the most is uh, his Barry Trotz drawing where uh, he did a, you know the voice bubble, the word bubble. It says you'll have to go through the fucking island, uh, which is one of Barry's uh, famous quotes here. Um, so he, I know... Um, I see the Barry, uh, Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz, that's funny, uh, Barry Trotz picture posted a lot, and um, he's, I see um, Barzal posted a lot, I think Anders Lee, um, but anyway, Joe is uh, super talented, um, and uh, this is what he does for a living, but he does do stuff uh, for regular folks like you and I, um, so please, if, if uh, you're interested in his services, and obviously, uh, if you go to his Twitter or you go to the website I'm about to give you, you'll see just how talented he is. Um, like I said, my logo, I think, is fucking amazing. So, again, his name is Joe Marisich. On Twitter, he's at GraphicsJoker, G-R-A-F-I-X-J-O-K-E-R. Or you can check out LoudEgg.com, where he is the creative director. So, uh, Joe, thank you again. Uh, a million thank yous. For taking the time to do this amazing logo for my show um I, I just i can't express enough how grateful i am for you to do that for me and uh i'll get some shirts made up and some hats or whatever i'll definitely uh send send some your way but um man thank you again please check out joe's work um you won't be disappointed he's uh he's pretty amazing so that brings us to the uh nuts and bolts of this episode so unfortunately I do not have any guests this week. Um, one of the things that uh, I have experienced now, um, unfortunately, somewhat consistently, is either uh, guys not getting back to me or just not being able to uh, match up times. One of the guys is Aaron Asham, and uh, we're in constant communication, but when it's good for him, it might not be good for me. When it's good for me, it might not be good for him. Um, fortunately, his wife is still working during this time, and he ends up babysitting the kids. And, and I, you know what? I shouldn't say babysitting. That's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, parents don't babysit. Uh, parents raise their kids. So Aaron is not babysitting his kids. He is raising his kids while his wife works. And uh, eventually him and I are going to hook up and get this interview done. Um, the original plan was to actually meet somewhere with Aaron, either go to his place or he can come over here or go out somewhere and record it in person, one of the perks of actually being in the same geographical area. Uh, but I have no idea when we're going to be able to do that, so I figured we'd take care of it over the phone. Uh, and like I said, with Aaron, it's just uh, we haven't been able to match up times, but I promise you I'll eventually bring that one to you. Uh, and then there's just a couple other guys who I was hoping to hook up with, and um, 
it, I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, I promise you that I'm doing my best, but uh, at a certain point, um, I got to stop asking, you know, and um, if they if they ever get back to me, I'm more than happy to do the interviews. I am ready to go. Questions are ready. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I've got it ready to go. But um, I can't chase guys down. Um, and, and listen, I'm not putting it on anybody. It's, you know, it's a crazy time right now and uh, people are busy and, uh, you know, I work full time and then some of these guys work full time. So it's uh, just a circumstantial thing or whatever. But uh, I've been unable to nail down a guest this week. So uh, what I decided to do, if you're uh, familiar with uh, my Twitter account, uh, I just did a tournament. Um, it's kind of a ripoff of fourth line voice he does the different tournaments on his twitter uh different enforcer tournaments and actually i know he's got another one coming up in about a week or so but i won't uh, i won't divulge the topic of that tournament but what i decided to do was um an islanders enforcers championship tournament and uh that's where the brackets come in so obviously uh you can imagine the upper echelon guys but i did come up with 64 guys who have played for the islanders um, whether it was a handful of games or, you know, 500 games, 1,000 games, whatever it is. So I did come up with a handful of guys, and uh, a lot of people have voted in it, and I really appreciate people that have taken the time. Uh, but I haven't really discussed it too much uh, in terms of the matchups. So I figured that uh, I'd go over uh, the process in which uh, guys were put into brackets, and then we would discuss the matchups. So... Um, how I decided to do this was, uh, it was twofold. One, uh, I came up with four number one seeds. Uh, I came up with uh, four guys who I think des were deserving of number one seeds. And the unfortunate thing is I, I had to obviously cap it at four, but I probably could have given it to, well, definitely five, but there's probably... It could have been six or seven guys that really could have warranted a number one seed, but I narrowed it down um, to the four guys who I thought deserved the number one seed based on what they accomplished with the team. And as you may be able to guess, uh, one was Clark Gillies, one was Bobby Nystrom, one was Mick Vakoda, and one was Eric Cairns. So um, I don't really think there can be any argument there. Uh, the one guy for sure that obviously got left out uh, that, I, I mean, absolutely 100% would deserve a number one seed is Gary Howitt. Um, but, you know, I had to make an executive decision, and uh, Gary Howitt, unfortunately, was not a number one seed. And because of that, it was going to come to be that Gary Howitt was going to take on one of the number one seeds eventually. So um, how I decided to seed the guys was basically random. After I did the number one seeds in uh, each bracket, um, the other 60 guys were just designated a number, and I went on uh, Google and did a random number generator. And as I, a number was generated, those guys were just uh, placed at the random brackets. So I think if I do this again, I might actually try to maybe break it down where um, maybe a guy like uh, Gary Howitt will be, uh, will be say, a definite number two seed and a guy, and I'm not going to name names, but certain guys maybe that have less tenure 
uh, they would be, say, a 16 seed and maybe get a little more technical. But <clears throat> for the purposes of this, I just decided to do a random draw. Um, so also the brackets each had a name that has uh, Long Island roots. So Clark Gillies was the number one seed in the Kaniac Park uh, bracket. And for those of you of a certain age, you know that uh, Kaniac Park was the longtime practice facility of the Islanders. Um, and for, like I said, for those of you of a certain age, you probably visited there, whether it was for um, rookie games or training camp or practices. And uh, I have fond memories of Kaniac Park, so that was a no-brainer that uh, a bracket was going to be named after Kaniac Park. Bob Nystrom was the number one seed in the Jones Beach bracket, which basically uh, speaks for itself, Jones Beach, probably one of the most famous beaches in the country, uh, and I would say is arguably the number one beach on Long Island. I don't know. I'm not trying to insult other beaches like Long Beach or Oyster Bay, but um, I would say Jones Beach is probably the most recognizable name as far as beaches go over here. Mick Vakoda was the number one seed in the Eisenhower Park bracket. Uh, I think anyone that's familiar with Long Island knows uh, about Eisenhower Park. Uh, and actually, Eisenhower Park is basically where the new practice rink is. Um, it's not basically. It is where the new practice rink is. It's an ice skating rink, and uh, Northwell Health uh, is the sponsor, and that's where the new practice rink is. It's a very beautiful facility. And finally, Eric Cairns was the number one seed in the Montauk Lighthouse bracket. He's a pretty big dude. I felt like uh, if someone was going to be the number one seed in a bracket named after the Montauk Lighthouse, it was probably appropriate that it was uh, the E-Train. So uh, basically then, I just like I said, I picked them at random. And uh, we can go over some of the fights now, and I can give you some of my opinions on the results and what I think. Uh, the first fight in the... Um, in the first bracket was Clark Gillies versus John Erskine. Now, John Erskine didn't have a long tenure with the Islanders, but John Erskine is a pretty tough dude. Um, you probably have seen some of his fights. He did very well with the Islanders while he was here. And uh, he had a, you know, his career was very good and he was very tough during his career. But drawing uh, anyone going up against Clark Gillies is in, is in for a rough road. And um, this was evidenced by the turnout. Clark Gillies um, beat him quite handily in the voting. 86.8% uh, to 13.2. Um, I don't think that's indicative of what could possibly happen in a real fight between the two. Uh, John Erskine is capable of beating anybody at any time, but I think uh, I think with a lot of these uh, votes, it was a popularity contact, uh, contest, and very few players in this bracket are more popular than Clark Gillies. So uh, that was a, that was a tough ask for uh, John Erskine off the bat. Uh, the second fight in this bracket was Rich Pilon against Troy Loney. Uh, so here's another case where we have a, a longtime Islander, very popular in Rich Pilon, going up against a, a very short-term Islander in Troy Loney. Uh, Troy is most notably known for his tenure with Pittsburgh. And Troy Loney's a tough guy. Um, I think, uh, for my, my opinion, Troy Loney would probably have been best served as, say, a secondary fighter on a team, and I guess for a while with Pittsburgh, he was, uh, you know, uh, running mate of Jay Caulfield, let's say. Uh, but Troy was always a solid player, and uh, one of the things that made him attractive to teams was that he was not afraid to drop the gloves, and, um, you know, one of the things that made him attractive to the Islanders, and he's a smart guy. Um, he was the captain of the Ducks, so there's leadership there and toughness, but 
Um, again, uh, Rich Pilon, very popular, longtime Islander, uh, beat Troy Loney pretty handily in the voting, uh, 86.5% to 13.5%. So um, again, uh, if the two of them fought in real life, and they very well could have, I just don't remember, uh, I don't think it would be that one-sided, but in a fan vote, anything can happen. Fight number three uh, was current Islander Matt Martin going up against Jason Simon. So I, I think my guess is a lot of people who are voting probably don't know too much about Jason Simon, which I am going to hopefully rectify soon by getting him on the show. Uh, Jason Simon has a very long resume of enforcing uh, in many different leagues and uh, guys fearless, he'll fight anybody. Um, unfortunately, his Islander tenure was somewhat short, and um, again, I'm, I'm wondering if a lot of people that are voting in this even remember when he was with the team. And uh, Matt Martin, extremely popular guy, um, you know, and uh, very personable, you know, very, very friendly guy, always out and about with the fans. So I, I kind of figured that Martin was going to take this, and he did 70.4%. Uh, to 29.6%. So I think, again, in a real fight between these two, it's going to be a lot closer than that. Uh, I think either guy is capable of beating the other one in a real fight, but in a fan vote, especially with a guy like Matt Martin, who's a great guy and um, is still with the team, that's probably a tough ask for uh, Chief in this one. Uh, the fourth fight was uh, Gerald Diddick and Craig Berube. So uh, Berube was with the Islanders for a short time, and Didick was here longer than him, but uh, again, it might be earlier than a lot of current fans remember. Um, you know, Craig Berube, in terms of enforcing, is a legend, uh, takes a backseat to nobody. Uh, and Gerald Didick is what I would call underrated tough, because I think if you're an Islanders fan, you know just how tough he was. You know he was a hard-hitting defenseman, and you know he didn't, uh, never took a backward step. Uh, but, uh, and, and these guys, you know, based on their fight cards, again, I don't have them in front of me. They may have fought in the past, but um, they're, they're both very impressive guys. And I think in this one, the, uh, the legacy of Craig Berube was just too much for Gerald Diddick, and Berube ended up beating him 82.4% to 17.6. Uh, I think a lot of these first-round uh, matchups were pretty much one-sided, and uh, I think as we go on and on, they get a little bit closer. The fifth fight was Brian Curran against Brett Lindros. And I'll be honest with you on this one. Uh, Brian Curran ended up winning this 57.9% to 42.1. And Brian Curran had a little more than one season with the Islanders. It was a very, very good season. It was a fun season for me as a fan as he set the all-time single-season penalty minute record with the team. Uh, but Brett Lindros was very popular during his time here. He has that Lindros name. Um, and Curran hasn't played here in a long time. So um, I actually didn't like uh, the Colonel's chances in this one. Uh, but and, and when I say I was pleasantly surprised, it has nothing against Brett Lindros. Uh, I liked Brett when he was here. I, I spoke to him numerous times. I got to know him a little bit. And his dad, uh, Carl, he's a great guy. Uh, but when I say I'm pleasantly surprised, it's because I really didn't have much hope for uh, Brian Curran beating him in a fan vote. And when he did, it was, uh, it was a little refreshing to see. Uh, Brian Curran uh, did the job for many years, and uh, it was nice to see him get a little recognition. 
The sixth fight was uh, a couple of big boys, uh, Zdeno Chara against Ross Johnston. So here you have two guys that are still playing. Uh, Chara is an interesting guy because when he was with the Islanders, um, he was still very young. He was growing into his size, um, and he fought guys. But, you know, a lot of times he had kind of the Bambi legs and um, always a strong guy, always in phenomenal shape, but he definitely was learning to grow into his size well with the Islanders. Now, obviously, as his career has gone on, um, he's, he's a pretty destructive force out there. Do I think, uh, especially Bruins fans, overrate his fighting? Yeah, I'd say a little bit. I, I, think, um, I think he's pretty dominant in a lot of his fights because of his size. Uh, but I think um, if he was going up against someone with uh, an enforcer pedigree, I don't necessarily think it's a given Chara is going to win. And I think if size was equal, uh, I'm not sure that Chara uh, dominates. But I think a lot of times uh, he's fighting guys over the last few years that, that don't fight too much. And in a situation like that, I think just his size alone is going to give him the edge. But I'm not taking anything away from him. Uh, I think he's a great player. I think he's a Hall of Fame player, uh, and he's a very tough guy. And it would have been nice had he uh, played his entire career with the Islanders, uh, but, you know, uh, Milbury. So, um, but uh, I'm, I am a big fan of Chara. I just think... And like I said, it really a lot of it comes from Boston. I think the Bruin fans maybe just need to pump the brakes a little bit, um, you know, in terms of his uh, fighting legacy, especially in a town like Boston that uh, has so many amazing fighters that have worn that sweater. But uh, again, I'm not taking anything away from him. Uh, but he's going up against uh, Big Ross here, Ross the Boss, current Islander enforcer. Uh, very popular guy. Um, I actually think if these two were to fight, I would give Ross the nod in uh, in an actual fight. But again, Chara, Chara can beat anybody at any time. And um, in this vote, it was uh, it was pretty close. I mean, I guess not super close, but close compared to the other ones. Uh, Ross Johnston defeated Chara in the fan vote, fifty nine point six to forty point four. Fight number seven. A uh, couple of centers, actually, in this fight. One is uh, Zenon Kanopka uh, going up against Bob Basson. So I don't think, and again, when I say something like this, it's not about people who in, enjoy the fighting as much as I do, because I think people that do, um, everybody knows about Kanopka. He's got major penalty minute numbers, and uh, he gets rambunctious out there, and he drops the gloves, and he's a lot of fun. I don't know how many people actually realize how tough Bob Basson was um, and uh, I'm really happy the way his career ended up where he became a key figure on a few teams I, I think he started to blossom with Chicago and uh, really took off with St. Louis I, I think he was uh, fantastic with St. Louis uh, you know then he later on went to um, Quebec and Dallas uh, I might be missing a team or two there but uh, really St. Louis was I think where uh, where he just really blossomed into a fantastic all-around player. He's a bit on the smaller side, but Basson was tough as nails, man. He really was, and uh, he's, a, he's a guy I wish had uh, a little more time with the Islanders, but, you know, I don't make those decisions. Um, and in this fight, Kanopka beat him 62% to 38%. And the final fight of the opening round 
was Gino Ojic against Andy Sutton. And um, name recognition alone, uh, I mean, Gino Ojic, uh, the stories are amazing. I mean, the guys fought everybody. Uh, he's a bit of a loose cannon out there at times, which I think endeared him to a lot of people, myself included. Uh, but really just, um, you know, he's just an icon in the eyes of many. I mean, it's amazing how much he meant to the fans in Vancouver, and I'm pretty happy that he spent some time here on the island. Um, and in this one, even though he's the smaller guy, because Sutton is a, is a house, um, I think Ojik's, uh, Ojik's pedigree is uh, a little bit stronger than Sutton's in the fighting department, and Gino uh, beat him pretty handily, uh, 80.6 to 19.4. So that was the end of the... Um, of the opening bracket, which again is the Kaniac Park bracket. So now we move on to the Jones Beach bracket. And uh, again, I just want to say I th thanks to everybody who voted in these. These are fun and, and uh, fun to put together. But if people don't vote in them, then they don't mean anything. So if you've taken the time to vote in these things, then uh, I really appreciate it. So thank you for that. Getting back to the bracket, fight number one in the... Um, is uh, again we're talking about tough asks so kip brennan who you know very very tough guy but he unfortunately drew bobby nystrom so if there's a guy more popular than clark gillies in this bracket it might be bob nystrom and uh not that bobby couldn't beat kip brennan but kip brennan's you know he's very tough but in this matchup bobby nystrom uh comes out on top pretty handily 87 percent to 13 percent so um, again, that's a pretty tough ask for anyone going up uh, against Bobby Nystrom in a, an Islanders bracket. So um, the second fight, here's where um, the Clash of the Titans will eventually happen because while he wasn't a number one seed, he was a number two seed in this, in this bracket. Um, Gary Howitt, the hitman, going up against Jimmy Cummins. And uh, Jimmy wasn't with the Islanders for very long, but uh, everybody knows what kind of fighter Jimmy was. Very exciting. Jimmy Cummins' uh, fight tape would be one of the most entertaining you could have in your collection. I am uh, very partial to Jimmy because we're friends, and he's a great guy, and um, I love him, and I'm glad he was, again, like I say with a guy like Gino, uh, I'm glad he was an Islander for a short time. I'm glad Jimmy Cummins was an Islander for a short time. Uh, but again, tough task to go up against Gary Howitt in, uh, in an Islanders bracket. Um, Gary Howitt, his, I mean, his resume on the Islanders, the guy was just a savage. I mean, he really was. A, a savage to me is just the, the best word to describe Gary Howitt's tenure here on the island. Uh, I mean, the guy is just, he's scary tough and fought everybody. And back then, it was, it was a little more... Uh, you know, you might have seen a little more hair pulling or eye gouging or whatever. It was a little more vicious than uh, than what you see today. Um, I mean, although patty cake sometimes is a little more vicious than what you see today. But Gary Howitt was an animal. And uh, in this fan vote, Gary Howitt wins 58.5 to 41.5. Fight number three, Alan Kerr against Mitch Fritz, the Hurricane. So um, Mitch didn't play too long here on the island, uh, but people remember him. He's a mountain of a man. Um, Alan Kerr had a much longer tenure here. Alan Kerr, I think, somewhat underrated as a player and as a fighter on the Islanders. I mean, never a heavyweight, uh, too small to be a heavyweight, but took on everybody. Um, 
but I think, you know, again, based on when he, his career ended here, uh, was the beginning of the decade of the 90s. So that was a long time ago when Mitch was here, um, a little more recent than that. And like I said, Mitch is a scary dude. And in this fan voting, Mitch wins 78.8 to 21.2. Good thing is in that fight, Alan Kerr would have no problem taking on Mitch Fritz. If it was a, a real game, uh, Mitch towers over him, probably has 20, 30 pounds on him, if not more. And Alan Kerr wouldn't think twice about fighting the guy. But in this one, in the fan vote, fans have spoken. It's Mitch Fritz. Next fight, fight number four. Uh, two guys, very, very popular during their time here. And that's Steve Webb against Brent Severin. And the best part about the Brent Severin matchups is that he's been providing uh, a preview. Once I, once I post his matchup, he generally uh, quote tweets it and uh, gives his opinion on it. And, um, uh, you know, he's just a character. He's a great guy, Sevy. So, uh, so that really, uh, when I saw that on this, on this fight, I was pretty pumped about it because, uh, you know, he is an analyst. So um, it, was, it was good to get a, uh, an NHL analyst to analyze one of these. I wouldn't mind if he did it for all the fights, but who knows Brent Severin better than Brent Severin. So uh, I appreciate his contribution. And in this fight, Brent Severin uh, beat Steve Webb 57.8% to 42.2%. Fight number five in this bracket, Brent Hughes against Dean Chenault. Uh, Brent wasn't here that long. Um, Dean was here with the organization for quite a bit of time. Uh, Dean is a guy I, f I just think never gets enough credit uh, for what he, what he did with the organization. Um, tough guy, man. You know, solid defenseman and tough guy and would fight anybody. And, um, you know, Dean's got a fan in me. I'll, I'll always defend Dean Chanel. Not that I really have to defend him, but, uh, you know, I love the guy. So um, I was very happy when he won this, uh, won this fight, again, pretty handily, 78.5 to 21.5 over Brent Hughes. Fight number six, Nate Thompson against Brendan Witt. This is, this is a tough ask for Nate Thompson because Nate, when he was with the Islanders, he did everything that was asked, asked of him. I, th I thought he was fantastic here. Uh, but Brendan Witt is the kind of guy that's popular everywhere he goes. He's a character, solid defenseman, tough as nails. Um, you know, for a guy who wasn't here, you know, the length of time as a Nystrom or a Gillies, Brendan Witt was am amazingly popular. So, uh, again, I don't know if the fight is this one-sided in real life. Brendan Witt, 83.8 to Nate Thompson, 16.2. But, again, that's a pretty tough ask in any bracket for anyone going up against Brendan Witt. The guy is just super popular. He's earned it, um, you know, but uh, maybe in real life, Nate makes it a little bit closer than that. Fight number seven, Michael Haley against Dale Henry. Again, again, a running theme here are guys who played in an era where I think a lot of people voting never saw them play. Um, Dale Henry, tough guy, uh, never really seemed to stick. He seemed like he was up and down a, a lot. He was, uh, you know, regular with Springfield. He'd come up, uh, never, you know, it's a shame because I think he definitely had earned a regular spot with the Islanders. Um, and um, it just never seemed to to work out that way, but I, I, I don't see any reason why the guy should have, uh, the guy has a lot of seasons with the Islanders in Springfield. And I, I think a lot of those seasons could have just been Islanders. And um, with the anniversary of the Easter epic 
just passing us. There is a lot of chatter on Twitter about um, Dale Henry being the rightful owner of that four overtime goal that is credited to Pat LaFontaine. Uh, I had heard rumors about that going way back to that uh, when the goal was scored, but um, unfortunately there's not a great angle on the uh, broadcast where you could see it and uh, the goal is credited to Patty and uh, Dale I'm sure is not the kind of guy that's going to say that should be my goal and um, you know to his credit you know Patty said that you know Dale was the one that screened Mason and uh, helped him score that goal but uh, more than one guy has told me that uh, Dale Henry actually tipped that one in. I have no contact with Dale. I would love to have Dale on the show. And if anyone is uh, friendly with him, please pass that along. But in this matchup, uh, he takes the L going up against Michael Haley, who was very popular during his time here. Um, Haley is the current uh, heavyweight. I guess he's not a heavyweight, but he fights all the heavyweights. He's got the heart of a heavyweight. Uh, he's uh, the current uh, fighter, designated hitman for the Rangers. Uh, and in this one, he wins the he wins the fight 71.2 to 28.8. And the final fight of this bracket was Chris Simon against Paul Cruz. Now, Chris Simon is a guy who his reputation is well deserved. Chris Simon is a killer. It's it's amazing. Uh, one probably one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, Chris Simon is. I mean, really just, uh, he's just a <laughs> devastation on skates. And um, no matter what team he was with, you can just look up and down. And uh, he just left, he left a, a lot of opponents picking themselves up off the ice. And, uh, you know, with the Islanders, he was suspended a couple of times, uh, did a couple of kooky things. But uh, in terms of his uh, fight card, his resume, uh, he's beaten up a lot of guys. And... Um, you know, the name Chris Simon, you know, it, it stirs up a lot of emotion and just got, you know, you think about your favorite Chris Simon fight or stuff he's done and you're just like, man, that guy's a killer. Uh, but Paul Cruz, you know, to be honest with you, Paul Cruz takes a backseat to nobody, man. If you go back and watch some of Paul Cruz's fights, the guy is super tough. He's super, super tough. And uh, I, I think he got, um, I think he was the victim of the Chris Simon name in this one because Chris Simon devastates Paul Cruz in this fight, 83.1 to 16.9%. And uh, I'm not saying that Chris Simon couldn't put a hurting on Paul Cruz uh, in real life, but again, I think this fight was pretty much judged on more along the lines of what Chris Simon has done in the past and really not enough of what Paul Cruz has done because... Um, you know, I think Cruiser deserved better than this, but you know, you only get one vote. So uh, if you get you get one vote and you you see these two guys, I guess the the logical thing would be to vote for Simon. But uh, Paul Cruz very underrated. So um, so that completes the second bracket, which again was the Jones Beach bracket. Moving on to the uh, where are we? Eisenhower Park bracket, the number one seed in this bracket was Mr. Mick Vakoda, who gave me some shit on Facebook when he saw the bracket about uh, what a tough bracket this was. And to be honest with you, when I was um, pulling the names out of the, the number, the Google number, random number picker, whatever it is officially called, I wasn't really paying attention. 
Uh, and then when I started doing the matchups, I was like, you know what? He's right. This is a pretty badass bracket. So, uh, but you know, Mick's been in tough situations before, and he's come out on top in, mo uh, in most of them. So, you know, it wasn't done on purpose, Mick. And uh, as of this recording, you're still in it. So uh, I have faith in you. So his opening fight in this bracket was against Rob Davison. Uh, Rob Davison is a guy mostly known for his time with the Sharks. Really didn't play too much here. Not sure how many people remember him. And going up against someone as insanely popular as Mick, uh, it really shows in the fan voting. Uh, Mick Vakoda beats Rob Davison in the voting 98.1% to 1.9 for Davison. And uh, this is, I think, the biggest trouncing in the opening round. So... Um, Again, I, I think it's, uh, you know, for a guy like Davison who wasn't here that long and you're going up against uh, the all-time penalty minute king for the team and someone who just people still remember very fondly in Mick Vakoda. Um, tough run here for Rob Davison, who exits early with only 1.9% of the vote. Second fight, Dwayne Sutter against Mike McWilliam. So Dwayne Sutter, uh, one of the famed Sutter brothers, uh, had a pretty long tenure here. More of a pest um, then um, a fighter definitely would would fight, but uh, not his primary job, going up against Mike McWilliam. And um, Mike McWilliam wins this 57.7% to 42.3. And this is the opposite of a lot of other fights. I think um, Dwayne Sutter's name got him a lot of votes in this, where I, I think Mike McWilliam uh, probably beats him pretty handily in real life. But... Uh, Going up against the Dynasty Islander is tough, and uh, Mac pulls this one out, but uh, in real life, I'm not sure the fight is as close as uh, the voting would uh, have you believe. Fight number three. A couple of uh, Western League graduates here. Kenny the Bomber Baumgartner going up against uh, one of my uh, previous guests, Jason Strudwick, who they actually did fight at least once, and uh, I think... Uh, Bomber may have gotten the better of him, which uh, I could say about a lot of Bomber's opponents. Bomber was here for one full season and parts of two others, uh, but really made his mark. And years later, probably still one of the more popular guys that ever played for this team. And you just mentioned his name here and people are like, oh, yeah, because uh, Bomber was pretty destructive when he was here. Very, very popular. And uh, it shows in this bout 94.6%. Uh, to 5.4% for Struds. And, you know, um, in a real fight, like I said, I think Bomber, Bomber may have beat him in that fight, but, um, you know, this looks like a shellacking. Uh, it is a shellacking in the fan vote, but, you know, again, in real life, I don't think it would be, uh, it would be that uh, devastating. Fight number four, we have a couple of power forwards here. Uh, Dave Scatcherd and Wendell Clark. Um, Scatcherd is one of my favorite guys. I'm so glad the Islanders got him. And when he was here, he was amazing. He was just great and, and a great guy. Um, but Wendell Clark is arguably one of the most popular players to play in his generation. Um, I think it helps that he played in Toronto. Uh, but I, I think it's because of his style of play where he's just uh, just loved. It's like universally loved. I mean, unless you like a fancier style game, like a lot of the fans of today do. Uh, but I don't know, if, you, I, if you're a hockey fan, I don't know how you can't love Wendell Clark. 
I just don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. Even if you're an analytics nerd, uh, a Corsi clown, I, I get it, but it's hockey. It's Wendell Clark, and uh, it showed in this voting. Um, Dave Scatcherd, he's taken on a lot of tough guys, but in the fan vote, uh, Wendell Clark wins 80% to 20%. Fight number five. Fight number five, I'm guessing, is a fight between two guys who a lot of the people who voted may not have ever seen. Uh, I'm guessing at least one of them they probably had never seen play, and that's Hector Marini, Hector the Protector, uh, going up against Gord Deneen. So a couple of older school guys here, and um, I'm guessing a lot of people may have just guessed on this one. Uh, Gord Deneen is, I think, tougher than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, you know, he, he definitely battled some heavyweights during his time and uh, did well against a lot of them. And um, it shows in the fan vote here, he beat Hector the Protector 62.7 to 37.3. Um, like I said, again, I'm not sure how many people that voted had seen either of these guys uh, play or fight, but, um, you know, Gordonine basically uh, beats him here almost uh, two to one in the fan vote. Fight number six, a uh, man I talked about earlier, Aaron Asham against Jason Weimer. Uh, these guys were teammates here, actually. And uh, Asham is immensely popular here. Uh, he's still in the community. He does a lot of work with, uh, with the Islanders, with uh, youth hockey. Um, just to, and the thing about Asham, like I always said, is he doesn't, he doesn't have an ego. And he could walk down the street and you'd never guess that he was uh, a professional hockey player because he just, he just looks like he could be the guy next door. And I think because of that, a lot of people gravitated towards him because he's an easy guy to talk to. He always makes time for people. And um, his popularity here, and, and listen, his popularity here is due to the fact that he was a badass hockey player that could score and beat the shit out of people. Um, and it shows in this fight, uh, in this matchup, Aaron Ashton with 88.7% of the vote uh, over Jason Weimer. Uh, not surprising there. I thought it might be a little closer because Weimer is a tough guy in his own right. Uh, but when you think about, uh, when you factor in the popularity and the fact that Asham is still a face here on the, on the island and with the organization, it, it, I guess it makes sense. Fight number seven uh, pretty much went the way I thought it was going to go. Um, Sugar Ray Schultz, uh, I think a guy that a lot of people forgot about. I did reach out to Ray, and hopefully at some point uh, I'll have him on the show. Um, going up against Eric Goddard. Eric Goddard is, uh, to me, a top 10 Islander enforcer. Um, I mean, really, I think about the days where they had Goddard and Cairns. That's fucking scary. Um, so naturally, again, uh, going up against uh, Goddard in this one was a big ass for Sugar Ray. Although Sugar Ray would fight him. I mean, uh, Ray Shields fought a lot of tough guys, uh, played physical on defense, and uh, I love the guy. Uh, but in this one, Goddard beats him 92.6 to 7.4. And the final fight in this bracket, another guy who was unbelievably popular here with the Islanders, and uh, deservingly so, and that's Trevor Gillies going up against another guy who was popular, but it's been a while since he's been here, uh, and maybe underrated tough, definitely didn't fight as much as Gillies, but man, he's had, he had some really good fights here. Uh, I always mention the one with uh, Al Secord, and he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Darren Kimball, and that's uh, Sal, Robbie DeMaio. So uh, Robbie DeMaio goes up against Trevor Gillies in this one, and basically Gillies beats him uh, pretty handily, 89.5 uh, to 10.5. So I'm not surprised. Gillies, I mean, Gillies was just, 
if you were here during his time, man, Gillies did so much in the community and people love him and he had the Fu Manchu and he's just a, just a great guy. So um, again, in a, in a fan vote on social media, stuff like that counts. But, um, and again, Gillies was, he was an ass kicker. So uh, again, no surprise there. Uh, but I love Rob DeMaio. Uh, if Jamie Rivers is listening to this, I know Robbie DeMaio is part of the Blues organization. And Rivs, if you are friends with him, uh, please let him know that I'd love to have him on the show. Love, love me some Sal, definitely. Fourth bracket, the Montauk Lighthouse bracket, led by number one seed, Eric Cairns, the E-Train. Going up against the guy. Now, there's... <sighs> I, I want to say there's no bigger Eric Cairns fan than myself, but that might not be the case. I love Eric Cairns, but I'm sure, like, you know, his parents are bigger fans of his than I am. And, I mean, I, I love the guy. Now, the guy he fought is super tough and underrated. Uh, sneaky tough, if you're not familiar with him. And that's Mark Jansen's. And uh, Mark Jensen is another guy that I hope to have on the show at some point. He, uh, he was an Islander for a short period of time. Uh, but Mark Jensen's played on a lot of teams, and Mark Jensen's was a center who could play the game. And I honestly believe Mark Jensen's never really would have ever had to drop the gloves and could have still played in the NHL as long as he did. But he did drop the gloves, and most of the time when he did, he was very good at it. Uh, probably better than getting 2.4% of the vote but Karen's, I mean, Karen, I, I've said it myself. I think a case can be made that Eric Karen's is the toughest guy that's ever played for this organization. So uh, in this first round matchup, um, it would have been nice maybe if Jansen's got a, a different draw to see if he goes uh, a round or two. Um, my voice keeps cracking. I don't know why, but I assure you I've gone through puberty. Um, Mark Jansen's in this one, uh, 97.6 to 2.4 in favor of Eric Cairns. So uh, a little one-sided there. Fight number two, uh, Jerry Hart against Kevin Colley. Um, Kevin Colley, do me a favor. If, you, um, if you're not familiar with Kevin Colley, please Google him and uh, read about his story. Um, it's a pretty amazing story. I don't want to give too much of it away. If you, uh, if you were a fan of the team when he was here, you know everything that happened to him and uh, his fight back. Uh, you know, it was a pretty scary situation for him. Uh, but, man, the guy's tough as nails. So no matter what he, he accomplished on the ice or did on the ice, his, uh, you know, he had a pretty devastating injury. And, um, you know, just I know from straight from his mouth, I know he went through a tough time after that. And uh, I believe he's now working for the Dallas Stars. So um, Collie's a real inspirational guy. Maybe uh, I can get him on the show at some point. Uh, Jerry Hart's a guy who um, played in the 70s, uh, hard-nosed defenseman. And uh, in this one, uh, Hart beats Colley 66.7% to 33.3%, so exactly 2-1 to one in the fan vote. Fight number three, Gordy Lane against uh, recent birthday boy David Maley. So Maley you know primarily from his tenure with New Jersey, um, came to the Islanders from the Sharks, I believe, and uh, came with a pretty awesome mustache when he was here. Uh, didn't play here too long, but Maley's tough guy, Stanley Cup champion. Obviously, speaking of Stanley Cup champions, going up against one, Gordy Lane, really rugged, hard-nosed defenseman. Uh, I think underrated tough. I think for a lot of the 
guys like Gordy Lane playing with guys like Gillies and Nystrom. Uh, it's kind of easy to go under the radar in terms of toughness, but uh, Gordy was Gordy was right there. He was a uh, crush guys in front of the net. He dropped the gloves when he had to. And uh, in this fan vote, he wins 76.7 to 23.3. Again, th going up against guys on these cup teams is, is a pretty big ask for, for anybody. So, and it shows in that fan vote. Uh, the next fight, I'll be honest with you, I was shocked at this result. And not because I think the guy with the uh, more enforcer pedigree won, because he did. But Brian McCabe, during his time with the Islanders, was immensely popular. Um, I think he really resonated with a lot of the younger fans. Uh, he eventually became team captain. And I'm, I, I'm actually stunned at the fact that um, Joel Recklage, who I think would, would do very well against, I mean, you could pretty much pick a, pick a name, and Recklage is going to do well against him in a fight, an on-ice fight. Um, Recklage pretty much dominated this fan vote 71.1 to 28.9. And again, it's not that I'm shocked that he, he wins the fan vote based on his toughness. I'm just surprised because it seems like a lot of these went the way of the more popular guy. And McCabe was here a lot longer than Recklage. And I'm just really stunned that the, the vote went this way. I think the right guy won. But uh, I'm just, like I said, I'm just stunned because McCabe was so popular here. Fight number five. A uh, couple of uh, hard-nosed defensemen. Gary Nyland against Doug Huda. So Gary Nyland was here uh, a little bit longer, I think, than Doug was. Uh, played a similar style. Uh, you know, gritty, tough defenseman. Uh, fighting wasn't their number one job, but they would both do it. Um, and again, I, I don't really know what uh, the thought process was. I think Nyland is a bigger name in terms of uh, his Islander tenure. And uh, he wins this one 69% to 31%. Fight number six, Matt Karkner versus Tim Jackman. Uh, Jackman, underrated tough guy, uh, did the job uh, admirably when he was here. Uh, fought everybody he had to fight when he was here. Um, underrated tough as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but Matt Karkner, uh, I think the, the bigger name in the enforcer world and uh, was very, very popular when he was here. Uh, him and uh, uh, Bolton made a nice uh, one-two punch, uh, one forward, one defenseman when, when they were both here. And uh, Karks is currently uh, an assistant coach with Bridgeport, so he's still a face in the organization. And Maddie takes this one 86% to 14%. The next one, again, I'm a little surprised. Um, really battle of two... Two really, really tough guys. Um, Eric Bolton against Ken Belanger. Now, again, I'm not surprised at the winner because if you put these two guys on the ice squaring off, no matter who wins, you can't really be surprised. Uh, but I guess, again, it comes into play where Bolton has, was here more recently. Uh, and Bolton wins this one 65.9 to 34.1. Again, Bolton uh, could beat anybody. Uh, I think I'm just a little surprised it wasn't a little closer. Um, you know, Belanger, when he was here, was, uh, was super tough and um, had some really big fights. Um, both of these guys, man, if uh, anyone knows these two guys, I'd love to have both of them on the show. Uh, but uh, Bolton takes this one 65.9% uh, to 34.1%. Fight number eight, uh, Scott Mayfield, currently on the team. Uh, pretty popular guy in the team going up against Brett Gallant. Uh, 
And Brett Gallant was here, and uh, I mean, definitely, the guy is—he's another one of those PEI boys that are, are just killers. And uh, his brother Alex does the same job; he's a killer. Um, it, it, this vote went the way it should have gone. Uh, Scott Mayfield—he's a tough guy. He's more of a player than a fighter. Uh, he does bring a physical presence to the Islander blue line, and he will drop the gloves when he has to. Uh, but Brett Gallant's primary job is to uh, to enforce, and uh, in this vote, uh, Brett Gallant wins 72.2% to 27.8%. So that brings us to the end of the first round, and um, I think it went the way you would think. There were probably a couple that could have gone the other way, and I think a lot of the fights where you had these wide margins um, are pretty indicative of just the popularity of some of the guys that have played here. So um, not too many surprises, uh, but I think the, if there was a surprise in that first round, probably would be just the, um, the discrepancy in the voting. But it is what it is. And uh, again, thanks to everyone who voted. So we move on to the second round. And the second round, start, we start again with the Kenyak Park bracket. And in this one, as we discussed, um, Okay, you know, first fight in this bracket, someone's going up against Clark Gillies. And uh, the guy going up against Clark Gillies this time, Rich Pilon. So if you remember when I discussed their, both of their fights in the first round, said immensely popular players. Uh, Rich Pilon, very tough guy. But Clark Gillies wins this one 98% to 2%. Um, Gillies is going to be a tough guy to beat. Um, he does happen to be on the same side of the bracket as Bob Nystrom. I would think if things uh, play out as I think they will, um, I think we may get a Gillies-Nystrom matchup at some point. But I think until then, um, anyone going up against Gillies is in, in for a rough road. So in that first fight, Gillies beats Richie Pilon 98% to 2%. Second fight... Um, and this is a bit of a surprise, not in the result, just because, again, it, it's a current player, Matt Martin. I've already discussed how popular he is. Um, you know, Matt Martin's a guy who was here, he left, he came back, and it was like he never left. Um, you know, part of the, you know, the best fourth line in hockey. Um, just, uh, I mean, let's face it, he's a good-looking guy. The girls love him. Uh, guys love him. Um, you know, very, very popular. Uh, definitely one of the more popular guys who has played here in the last 20 years. No doubt about that. Uh, but he is going up against Craig Berube. And uh, as I said already, Berube's a Hall of Fame enforcer. Um, his fight card takes a backseat to nobody. Uh, but again, like I said, it, it ends up being a popularity contest a lot of times. Uh, but I was surprised in this one where Craig Berube beats Matt Martin 67.3 to 32.7. Do I think Craig Berube should win this fight? Absolutely. I'm just surprised that it wasn't closer than the voting indicates. Fight number three, um, Brian Curran against Ross Johnston. This one, uh, big win here for Ross the Boss. Uh, beats Brian Curran very handily, 87% to 13%. Um, like I said, current player. Current guys are going to be tough to go up against. Uh, Mayfield already lost in the first round, and with Matt Martin losing in the second round, uh, that leaves Ross Johnston. And um, judging from this fight, uh, his popularity is not waning at all. 
So he's going to be uh, he's going to be tough to go against too. Maybe we see a Ross Johnston Clark Gillies uh, final in this bracket. We'll we'll find out. But uh, Johnston win this wins this one pretty handily, eighty seven percent to thirteen percent. And fight number four in this bracket, uh, Zenin Kanapka coming off his win over Bob Basson, going up against Gino Ojic. I think this would be a fun fight to see in real life in their primes. Uh, both were very colorful players. Both were very animated on the ice. Uh, probably the conversation would be more fun to listen to uh, than the uh, the actual fight because I know uh, Z always had a lot to say out there. Definitely uh, a character for sure, and Gino is Gino. Uh, but the fans have spoken, and in this fight, they have Gino Ojic winning 78% to 22%. We move on to the second round of the Jones Beach bracket. This is the Bob Nystrom bracket. And this was the first literal clash of the Islander Titans. Uh, Bob Nystrom going up against Gary Howitt. Um, and Gary Howitt really, uh, I don't know. Again, it's, it's tough going up against Clark Gillies. Uh, might be tougher going up against Bobby Nystrom. And this one... Uh, Bob Nystrom wins 83.9% to Gary Howitt, 16.1%. And I think that speaks to just how popular Bob Nystrom is because Gary Howitt, like I said, just a savage. Um, and, uh, you know, Nystrom, was, he's Mr. Islander. What are you going to say to that? But I think if I had Bob Nystrom here and told him that uh, he won by that much, I think he'd be surprised. I'm sure Bob Nystrom uh, loves Gary Howitt and uh, saw firsthand just how devastating Gary Howitt could be. But uh, in this fight... The fans have spoken, 83.9 to 16.1. Uh, fight number two in this bracket, Hurricane Mitch Fritz against Brent Severin. And again, we had the uh, fight preview from Seve. And uh, I think he his preview, he said he may have been off more than he can chew in this one. Uh, but that was uh, debunked by the fans. Brent Severin wins this one, 65% to 35%. So... Um, I'm sure he was happy that uh, the fans fans still remember Seve. Uh, tough guy and a well-earned victory, even in a, a simulated fight. Fight number three, Dean Chenouth against Brendan Witt. Uh, like I said in the first round, going up against Brendan Witt. Brendan Witt's immensely popular. Um, tough guy. Dean Chenouth, tough guy. Uh, two tough defensemen. Uh, Brendan Witt takes the fan vote in this one, 62.9% to 37.1%. So, um, again, I, uh, Brendan Witt, he's, he's really popular. I think if you, do, uh, uh, if you did a Capitals uh, bracket or a, even a Predators bracket where he wasn't there too long, I think he was there one season, uh, still he's going to show up well in any of these because he's Brendan Witt, and he's just a personality, and he's very popular. Uh, he gets the better of Dino in the fan vote here, 62.9 to 37.1. And fight number four, uh, the return of Chris Simon. Uh, he's going up against Michael Haley, and uh, it, it went probably as you'd suspect. Chris Simon gets 78.8% to Michael Haley's 21.2%. What I would tell you is I know if these two were to fight, Michael Haley would give it everything he had um, in that fight, but Simon may get the better of him, and there's no shame in losing a fight to Chris Simon. So going into the second round of the Eisenhower Park bracket, or the Mick Vakoda bracket, uh, this was uh, the first fight for Mick was against uh, Mike McWilliam. Um, 
They, I believe, had fought twice before previously. And uh, in, in the fan voting, uh, Mick Vakoda wins 64.6% to 35.4%. So Mac really, uh, he showed well in this one compared to Mick's first round opponent, Rob Davison. Uh, made the voting a lot closer. But, um, you know, it's tough to go up against Mick uh, based on the way fans love him. And uh, and just what he's done as an Islander, it's it's a pretty tough ask uh, to go up against him. But Mac Mac showed himself well, uh, definitely. Fight number two. Now this one was uh, this for a while. This one was tied. Uh, this was Kenny Baumgartner against Wendell Clark. And uh, I think to say two Western League legends is is not overstating it. Two immensely popular players. And uh, I think with an hour or two hours to go, I had to tweet out that this was deadlocked at 50-50. So I wanted to make sure people voted. And uh, Bomber ekes out the victory over Wendell Clark, 51.5% to 48.5%. So this one went down to the wire for sure. But, uh, you know, two guys beloved in any town that they played in. And uh, Bomber takes the victory here. Fight number three. Uh, Gord Deneen against Aaron Asham. And um, like I said, Asham is uh, he's still a pretty big deal around here. And um, he beats Gord Deneen pretty easily in this one, 86.4% to 13.6%. Uh, Fight number four, guys who have fought before. And um, you can't really argue with either one of these guys winning the fight. Um, that's what uh, my wife and I were discussing this actually when this uh, matchup came about. Um, you can make an argument for both of these guys. They, they have fought before. Um, definitely two of the more popular guys who have ever played for the team. And, and probably top 10 uh, guys uh, career-wise for the Islanders. Uh, that's Eric Goddard and Trevor Gillies. And this one was close. Eric Goddard uh, wins this one 52.5% to 47.5%. But if Gillies had won, you can definitely see that too. Uh, it's probably unfortunate these two guys ended up fighting each other in the second round. But uh, if we do this again, like I said, in a, if I do it sort of uh, ranking-wise, they might meet up maybe in the third round or so. But, um, you know, two guys, I love them both. And, uh, and this one, Goddard takes the Duke. Now we get to the second round of the Montauk Lighthouse bracket, the Eric Cairns bracket. Um, I'll be honest with you, the first matchup in this one, uh, Eric Cairns going up against Jerry Hart. I thought that there might be a chance that Eric Cairns would pitch a shutout in this one. Um, I, I wouldn't have been surprised to see Cairns get 100% of the vote. And he didn't. And I love Jerry Hart. Um, could Jerry Hart beat Eric Cairns? Sure, because in a hockey fight, you land that one punch and, um, you know, anything can happen. I think realistically, though, I don't, I just don't see any way, even a young Cairns with the Rangers that wasn't the monster that he became with the Islanders, I just really don't see any way that Jerry Hart does any damage to Eric Cairns in a fight. So I wonder if that 4.8% of people that voted for him are just guys who are loyal to those early Islander teams or people that maybe don't like Cairns because if I would tell you that Cairns got 100% of the vote, I wouldn't have been surprised. But he didn't. But again, big win for Eric, 95.2% uh, to 4.8% over uh, Jerry Hart. 
Second fight was uh, Gordy Lane against Joel Recklage. Joel Recklage, uh, you know, for a guy who, who didn't play here too long, um, he wins two fights so far. So he won his first two fights. And uh, like I said, he beat Brian McCabe. Uh, he's going through Islander defenseman in this one, and he gets past Gordy Lane, 61.9% uh, to 38.1%. So uh, apparently, uh, well, obviously fight fans know what Joel's capable of, and uh, apparently he made an impression with some Islander fans too, which is uh, really great to see. Fight number three. Uh, we got uh, Gary Nyland uh, in the first fight, took on uh, defenseman Doug Huda. Again, now he's taking on another tough defenseman. Definitely a step up in competition in terms of toughness. Uh, Matt Karkner. And uh, I'm a little surprised that Karkner beat him pretty handily here, 64.6% to 35.4%. Uh, I could definitely see the, an actual fight between the two and their primes turning out this way. I thought it might be closer, but it wasn't. Uh, I don't have any issue with the result. Um, Karkner's a bad dude, and um, this is not a surprise to me. So Karkner advances. Um, now, fight number four is uh, Eric Bolton against Brett Gallant. Uh, Bolton, first-round matchup, tough one against Ken Belanger. Second-round matchup, tough one against Brett Gallant. But again, Bolton comes out. Uh, I thought this, again, I thought this might be closer just because I know Brett Gallant has a lot of fans. Uh, obviously, Bolton does too, but uh, Gallant didn't play near as many games as uh, Bolton did in the NHL, uh, but he has a very big following. Uh, but Bolton wins pretty handily here, 67.2 uh, to 32.8%. So um, Bolton so far is showing himself very nicely in this tournament. So Brett Gallant bows out in the second round. So uh, at the time of this recording, I'm recording Saturday night. Uh, Saturday earlier today, I started the third round. And uh, because I only have one bracket, uh, voting so far. I'm not even going to discuss that one. So what we'll do is we'll just go over what I call the not-so-sweet 16. So in um, the Kaniac Park bracket, we have Clark Gillies, Craig Berube, Ross Johnston, and Gino Ojik. Um, three of those guys, <laughs> I mean... Hall of Fame legendary enforcers. The fourth guy is Ross Johnston early in his career. Um, man, I hope that uh, the game doesn't change too much where I would, I would love to see Ross Johnston get 10 seasons in, uh, all with the Islanders, of course. I'll be honest, I'm a little concerned. Uh, I don't exactly know what the rules are uh, once Seattle comes in, uh, but I would hope that Lou and Barry would decide to protect Ross because I honestly think if I'm Seattle and I see Ross Johnston's name available in an uh, uh, expansion draft, I'm taking Ross Johnston for sure. So uh, I hope he's protected. I hope he's not made available. And, uh, you know, don't sleep on Ross Johnston because everybody knows how tough he is, but the guy can actually play too. I know a lot of the fans, you know, give him shit because they're stupid, um, but uh, because they don't want to give him credit. The fact is this. There, are, there is a, a faction of fans that will look to dog a guy no matter what they do. Ross Johnston is an enforcer. And if you don't like that, that's too bad. Okay. But let's give the guy some credit. The guy can play the game also. He's playing in the NHL in 2020. How many guys that are enforcers are not playing in the NHL in 2020? So for those of you people who think that Ross Johnson is one-dimensional, Ross Johnston can't do this, Ross Johnston can't do that. 
Um, you're an idiot because Ross Johnston is an enforcer playing in the NHL in 2020. Not many guys can say that, and he's here because he's tough, but because he has a lot of potential as a player. So, um, Ross, I don't think you listen to the show. I hope you do. Uh, I'm a big fan, and I hope at some point to get you on the show, and uh, I will defend you to the death, man, because uh, I think you offer a lot. Definitely offer more than your fists, uh, uh, although I don't want to... I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I do like when you drop the gloves. Uh, we move on to the Jones Beach bracket. Four pretty tough dudes, including a couple of guys who were teammates for a while. Uh, Bob Nystrom. All, all the number one seeds advanced, which shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, in this bracket, we have Bob Nystrom, Brent Severin, Brendan Witt, and Chris Simon. Uh, pretty, <laughs> four pretty badass dudes in this, in this bracket. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think even Seve would admit going up against Bob Nystrom, it might be tough for him to, to get out of this round. And um, the Witt-Simon matchup, I think, is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how the fans vote in that one because um, you can make an argument for both. And um, I'm curious to see how the fans are going to vote in that one. Uh, moving on to the Eisenhower Park bracket. This one is the one that Mick Fakoda uh, told me was, uh, you know, the pretty tough bracket. And I think the, uh, the four guys left pretty much uh, support his theory. We have number one seed Mick Fakoda going up against Kenny Baumgartner. The one fight that all Islander fans wanted to see but never happened. Uh, so we'll have a, uh, I guess, a simulated fight, a fan vote fight. Bomber and Mick finally going at it. I guess the fans will decide. And uh, the other fight in this bracket, uh, well, we have the Vakota Baumgartner fight, uh, a teammate versus teammate, and we also have it in the, the second fight, teammate versus teammate, Aaron Asham going up against Eric Goddard. Uh, that is another one that uh, I'm anxious to see how the fans vote in that one. Uh, and then the final uh, bracket, the Montauk Lighthouse bracket, led by Eric Cairns. Uh, man, you know what? Once you get down to these 16 guys, it, really what you come up with are 16 assassins as I look at these guys' pictures. Uh, Cairns going up against Joel Recklidge. And in the second fight, uh, we got teammates, uh, Matt Karkner and Eric Bolton. And, uh, you know, for a while there, Bolton and Karkner were, uh, like I said, they were running mates. That was a fun time, man. That was, that was a lot of fun. Bolton was really, really good for the Islanders. And uh, I'll never forget watching him chase around um, – Tom Wilson, after Wilson, uh, you know, he's just a piece of garbage. Um, you know, uh, listen, Wilson's a good player and he's tough. And, uh, but, uh, you know, when you got to answer the bell. And there were at least three times I can remember Bolton challenged him to a fight. And uh, he ran away. And like I, like I always say, he couldn't fight Eric Bolton, but uh, he managed to fight Andrews Lee. So what does that tell you? But uh, the Bolton-Karkner years, those were a lot of fun. Uh, when I look back on it now, uh, really, really, really good times with those two guys here. So that is where we, we are at at this point in the brackets. Um, we are down to the not-so-sweet 16. And um, today the voting started in the... Uh, Kaniak Park bracket, Gillies against Baruby and Ross against Gino Ojic. Um, and then tomorrow uh, we'll see the voting, which will have Bobby Nystrom 
and uh, going up against Seve and Brendan Witt going up against Chris Simon. Uh, this will be done this week. So um, hopefully I will have a guest for you next week, but I will briefly touch on uh, the progress of this bracket. Uh, hopefully just in the intro next week because I really want to have a guest for you. Um, for those of you that listen to this episode, I really appreciate it. Uh, basically, it is me talking about uh, a tournament that I did on Twitter. And uh, if you listen to that, uh, you're fucking awesome. So I, I really appreciate that. So um, I don't think there's anything else. Uh, I want to thank everybody who has listened to the show. I have, uh, you know, I, I'd say a nice group of loyal listeners. And I get uh, constant feedback. And you guys are great. And um, I, I really appreciate it. I, I, I do. You know, um, when I started this, it really uh, was something that I wanted to do for a while. And I didn't know how many people were going to listen. And, um, you know, it's probably more than I ever imagined. So uh, really, from the bottom of my heart, for those of you people who listen, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it really means a lot to me. And, and I'm not just saying that. I know a lot of people say that. But I mean it, man. You, you know, the fact that um, you guys go on your whatever platform you listen to and you hit play on my podcast, that's fucking amazing. So uh, really, thank you. Thank you very much to everyone who listens to this show. Thank you very much to people who uh, send me messages, um, you know, text, email, whatever, uh, DMs, or comment just uh, on Twitter or Facebook. Um, I mean, thanks so much. You really keep me going. And, um, you know, it, it's just been great. So, uh, you know, you guys, thanks, because there, you know, there's, there's been a few times in the short life of this show where um, I'm just like, I don't know. You know, one thing I, I promised myself was uh, if this show ever gives me stress, I'm packing it in because I'm doing it for fun. And um, there's been a couple of times where it didn't give me stress, but I will say there was a little frustration, um, you know, with uh, booking guests. I don't have, obviously, I don't have a producer. So it's all me. It's a one-man operation. And there were a couple of times where I got a little frustrated, not to the point where um, it stressed me out, just more to the point, like, what the fuck, you know? Um, there were a couple of times I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. But, um, you know, I, it, to me, it would be a disservice to the guys who have given me the time so far to just uh, drop it like this. And, and to those of you guys who listen to this, um, really. Uh, so, um, honestly, your comments definitely help. They, they mean a lot to me. And, um, you know, thanks a lot. So, um I guess I'll end it there. Once again, um, shit. Hopefully, I have a guest for you next week. But thanks to Joe, Graphics Joker on Twitter for my awesome new logo. And um, you people be safe out there, okay? Have a great week.